going above and beyond with putting together a production for us. We're super spoiled, <laughs> so definitely say thank you to you, Robert. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Ronnie up. Ronnie, um, feel free to share whatever you feel called to share today. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for being here, you guys. Aloha. showing up and taking the time out of your night. You could be doing anything whatsoever right now here on the Garden Island of Kauai, but you chose to come here. You chose to come here, so thank you. And, um, you know, that, that just kind of reminds me of a quote, which is, 80% of success is just showing up, right? Like, just showing up to what you're, what you're called to do, whatever it is, showing up to that call, showing up to that meeting, showing up to that gym workout, right? Showing up to making that green vegetable juice, showing up to meditate, right? Like life is a series of just showing up. And then the other 20% is the connective tissue, which is what happens after you show up. And I think that's pretty powerful because there's a whole shift going on right now energetically in the dynamics between like the feminine and masculine archetypes and all the different subsets of what that means as you kind of break that down. And there's kind of this, this um, reproportioning of masculine to feminine energy and it's, it's almost hard to fully articulate what I mean because it's not a dualistic thing. And so when we say feminine or masculine or light or dark or whatever, those contrasting kind of dynamics, they're actually, uni they're, it's, I say it within a unification, within a unity perspective. Not like, okay, this is this and then this is this. Because that's part of the old idea. That's part of the old like hyper-logical left side, what we might think of as a masculine mind, but that's not even really correct. It's just a super analytical kind of um, imbalanced uh, brain state or mind state, if you want to think of that, or interpretation is one way to say it, right? So there's kind of this new way of going about life, which is really about deprogramming and deprogramming the old program so you can upload the new program, the new software program. But if we don't deprogram and we're just stacking ideas and concepts and principles and belief systems on top of a faulty foundation, which is your operating system, then you just have a bunch of noise, right? Like personal development rhetoric or spiritual principle rhetoric, but it's all conceptual, it's not really embodied, and the operating system is your foundational core beliefs, and just kind of how the neuromuscular system has been programmed through the core wounds, through the, the hyper-masculinization, of our world, like hyper work, 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 like go, 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 kind of thing, kind of energy. And so there's a there's a reportioning, reproportioning of this feminine energy that's coming in almost like to force an evolution. Like if it can't be gently washed away, like the rivers, then there's gonna be a flood. If it can't be it can't be kind of burnt away or or, or self facilitated, melted away, then it's going to get poured over with a volcanic eruption. 
right? There's like a force evolution. There's a force growth and transformation that's occurring, and it's being directly reflected by the outside world. And so, when you start to, when you, when your mind starts to integrate the right and the left hemisphere. In other words, the feminine and the masculine, if you want to think of it that way. And then in between that is called the corpus callosum, which is the bridge in your brain that connects the right and left hemispheres and creates unification between those two. Then the archetypes that are living inside of us, masculine, feminine, etc., etc., it's endless, actually become unified and integrated and then we become a whole being instead of a fragmented or compartmentalized being, like, I'm a man, I'm a woman. Because that's not even what I mean. Like, you are in a masculine, you're in a male body, but you could be one or the other dominant. But we can't actually be a complete, integrated, embodied being if we don't integrate all the different aspects and archetypes and expressions that live within. Does that make sense? So this is kind of what I'm feeling like we're seeing in the world right now, is that there's a cleansing, there's a detoxification, there's a process that's occurring, and there's an, then there's an integration, right? It's kind of like the lessons get learned, instead of just process and mull over and reinforce, it's actually like the lessons get learned, and then once that happens, that is called a new level of embodiment, where you actually become the thing. Right? And we have to clear away that, but we have to clear away all the faulty programming first. And whatever that programming is, like, you just gotta show up for it. So that's really, that's like a key thing right there. That's not a trivial thing. That's not something to just overlook. Like, you showing up here means that you made a choice, whether you knew what was calling you or not, to show up. Now, because you did that and you demonstrated some form of commitment to show up, that increases your ability to show up in other areas of your life. You see how that works? Like every time you choose to show up for something, that will create a repetitive behavior. And then through that behavior of showing up, that creates a mood. There's an emotional association. Then you start to have a consistent emotional state that starts to come about. That becomes your mood. Once you do that over a week or two weeks. Then, after you do that over a couple months, that becomes a temperament. Right? That becomes kind of the default state in which you, you navigate life emotionally and mentally. And then if you keep doing that over like a year or so, that becomes your personality. Right? And it's all because you just keep showing up. You know, I'm going to do something. I'm going to drink that green vegetable juice. I'm going to have one green vegetable juice a day. I'm going to go to yoga three times a week. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go hike in nature, right? Whatever, you know, I'm going to come to a lecture once a week. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to explore a new way of thinking. Then that becomes a habit. All of a sudden, that becomes who you are. And who you used to be kind of just washes away with the ocean. It gets purified into, into the abyss. And you never ever have to think about it ever again. You don't have to self-improve yourself out of it. It just becomes who you are. So that's good. That's kind of important, right? And what I want to talk about today, like one of the things is, one of the themes is right, really about how to, what's the connection between 
the physical body and physical healing and our environment and our our you know the, the our environment being the biosphere like the atmosphere and the geological the geosphere the earth the hydrosphere the body of water and the hydrological cycle the heliosphere which is the sun right and the cosmos like how is that all connected right well one thing is that when you realize that your cells are actually mapping out the trajectory of the stars then you start to realize like whoa that's interesting okay so you mean that there's an astrological coordination within my biology that is directly connected to the to the, the cosmos basically that's why astrology actually is real and because the moment of your birth when you're born into this atmosphere you're in a sterile environment called your mom's womb you're in a sterile environment you're completely shielded and protected from oxid oxidizing forces like our atmosphere like gravity it's an oxidizing force that's the one thing that nobody can explain about like are we really human are we really from here why is it once we're born automatically our biological clock starts ticking and we start oxidizing you know what i mean by oxidizing Oxidizing is basically like, it's like corroding or it's deconstructing, it's catabolizing. So when you, for example, it's, it's like the, the um, so if you take like an apple or something, you cut it in half, all of a sudden it's going to start oxidizing. The shielding of the, the pectin and the skin of that apple gets pierced and then all of a sudden oxygen from the environment pierces through that shield and now it starts to degrade the the structure or the, the life force of that apple. Does that make sense? Same thing with the human body. If you cut into the body, you cut into the skin, then you create an oxidization. Right? That's why that's why your body heals and has a scar or or has, you know, um, callus or scar tissue. That's basically that process. So as we go through more dances around the sun, then the idea is that because of the Earth's atmosphere and because of the gravitational pull, we actually get suppressed by the atmosphere, by gravity, right? So it's kind of an interesting idea, like where are we really from? And that's a whole other conversation you can kind of tune into. One thing I can definitely say about that is that we are some kind of hybrid being, for sure. There's no doubt about that. Like that's this, this hard science is very clear on that. There's things about our DNA code that are unexplainable. You know, and it wasn't that long ago that there was this idea called junk DNA, which is basically like a like a kind of faulty scientific idea masquerading as science that was trying to explain why 99% of our DNA was unexplainable. It had no known function. They couldn't figure out what the functionality was, so instead of actually trying to figure it out, a bunch of materialistic scientists were just like, well, it's junk DNA. It's non-protein coding DNA. It has no usable function. In fact, Richard Dawkins said that it's, it's quite a shame that 99% of our DNA doesn't seem to have any real function. It's like, okay, that's really an interesting perspective from a scientist. Aren't, isn't your inquiry in life to figure out the unexplainable truths of life? Not to make up explanations to explain why you don't know something. 
And that theory has been the theory that's been running the mind of humanity. When you start to actually understand that, then it becomes a whole different, like you start to look at the psychology running the world, it's kind of like an atheistic scientist myth kind of religion that's kind of like materialism and like nihilism, like life has no meaning, there's no God force, whatever that is, there's no spirit, there's nothing really real about it, like a rock is a rock, a plant is a plant, a human is a human, it's just a bunch of wiring of neurocircuitry and brain chemicals and hormones that are just producing these like, whatever, irrational behaviors, but there's no spirit, there's nothing living, that's a silly idea. Right? That's literally the entire paradigm of our world. If you just, then you reverse engineer that why we are living in the situation we are, why we have these concepts of like allopathic healing that excludes anything that has to do with emotions. It excludes anything that has to do with like your psychology. Like, could your mind be affecting anything going on in your brain? Or I mean, your body? Is that reasonable? Has anyone ever had a thought and then they felt then they felt like really not so great in their body? Wow, interesting. Didn't take a whole science experiment to figure that out. Right? It's crazy. Like spirit wouldn't have it. Your spiritual health and your faith wouldn't have anything to do with your state of well-being, would it? So one of the things that's happening is that the more we show up and keep showing up, the paradigm falls apart on itself. And that's kind of what needs to happen. Like, maybe it needs to be flooded. Maybe there does need a volcano to completely erupt after thousands of years and, and just completely incinerate the, the old model. Because one thing we know about quantum physics is that out of something that's dying and decaying, the emerging principle of transformation and evolution is always going to come out of it. It's just the way it works, the way it's always worked. We wouldn't be here right now if that wasn't the way it works. Right? Like a rose can grow out of the concrete. It does happen. And that defies all kinds of, you know, all kinds of, of rules and, and, and belief systems that we have. Life is always seeking to live. Right? Same thing if you have parasites, fungi, yeast, mold, fungus, bacteria, viruses. What's that about? Those are all life forms. They're seeking to live. And so that's when it gets really interesting. Then it's like we have to actually have discernment. Now, because we can't just be floating through this reality on like a, a magic carpet or something, like on a, on a cloud. We actually have to have our feet in the ground and our head in the sky. Because we have to be connected to the cosmological coordinates of what's going on. Because our biology, again, is mapping out the stars anyways. And so there's a DNA activation that just naturally, spontaneously happens. Like a spontaneous healing, a spontaneous remission, a spontaneous transformation. Who here has ever had a moment where they just, everything just changed? Like, it didn't take this long, drawn-out thing. Maybe everything before that was long and drawn-out. But within a moment, you just, you, you just transformed. Right? Or like just healed of something. Like maybe you've been holding some kind of like emotional weight for, for years or decades and all of a sudden in a moment you wake up and you're like, whoa, I'm healed. What just happened? I've been carrying that weight for years, lifetimes. And all of a sudden it's gone. And you realize and you have the awareness and all of a sudden the awareness of it 
is the integration of it. It's like the observer effect, right? Like, is this all happening, or is it happening because I can, I can observe it? Which is which? And then we got to keep our feet grounded, so we kind of keep our, our, our senses to the ground. We kind of have a sense of what's going on, like an animal, right? Like, they keep their ear to the ground, so they have a sense of what's going on. Right, but if we're ungrounded, we're not anchored in, we have no structure or container to kind of guide the flow, then we may just flow into a flood. I don't know, we might just flow into a particular situation that maybe is avoidable. Maybe not, who knows? Who knows how all that works? But the point is that, like, and this kind of goes back to the whole feminine masculine thing, right? Father sky, mother earth, hydrogen, oxygen. What's the sun made out of? mostly. Hydrogen. What's the earth made out of mostly, atomically speaking? Oxygen. And so the, these metaphors are not by accident, by the way. This is, all, this is all downloadable. This is the whole point. I'm driving is like there is something moving through matter. There's something, some kind of intelligence archetypically it's kind of helping interpret itself through different cultures, through different means of expression or interpretation. So one level, we understand kind of the metaphor or the mythic perspective from certain cultures, like the Hawaiian culture and um, Native American culture and Asian Filipino culture and European alchemical culture, pretty much every, you know, Latina culture, everything has its mythos, it has its mythology. Um, uh, like, their traditions, right? Like, that's not by accident. So that's one level of intelligence. And then the other level of intelligence, which is much more modern, is what is identifiable or explainable based on the sensory system, right? So, so, hmm, interesting. So sometimes what will happen is an energy will come through. So as you're mid-flow, an energy will come through, and, okay, there's the bridge, got it. Okay, so basically, you have, you have Father Sky, you have Mother Earth, right? That whole concept, that's kind of metaphorical, archetypical, it's kind of an energetic, relatable idea. But then you have the scientific side of it, which is hydrogen in the cosmos, or in the sun, oxygen in the Earth. Well, oxygen is a feminine principle, atomically speaking. And then hydrogen is the masculine principle, atomically speaking. When those two elements, they're kind of like attracted to each other, right? And they're kind of like seeking union and merging. And they're getting closer and closer and closer. And then once they finally get together, there's a spontaneous birth of life called water. Right? H2O, two hydrogens, one oxygen. If you strip the hydrogen and you add another oxygen, you have ozone, which is just different octaves of oxygen, right? O2, O3, O4, O5, it just is endless. And then if you have two hydrogens, two oxygen, you have H2O2, which is hydrogen peroxide, which is pretty important to know about, especially in this environment, right? So there's this, there's this spontaneous creation of life called water, and that's literally what nourishes and what, yeah, what, it's like kind of like, I don't know, almost like the Jesus idea? Kind of an interesting idea? 
and like Mary Magdalene and that and that whole like if you just want to, if you just want to endlessly interpret the metaphors it gets pretty interesting and so why is that relevant why does that mean anything well again what do we have to do with anything what do we have to do with the earth what does our healing have to do with the healing of the planet it's very clear to me after a decade in this work that um, somebody can't kill, heal themselves independent of um, the environment around them healing. Like a collective of people cannot heal independent of their environment. That becomes a really interesting directive if you are on a healing journey, right? Because a lot of the things is like, a lot of things you'll hear is like, just get back into nature, get back into nature, get on. One of the things people ask me in podcast interviews and stuff, um, or literally I've been asked this by cancer patients that I've, I've worked with, stage four breast cancer, a woman comes to me, she's like, I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. What would you recommend I do? I said, well, to be honest, if I were you, I would pack up my stuff, I'd get on a plane to Hawaii, and I'd get under a waterfall before I made any decision. It's like, should I go chemo? Should I go radiation? Should I go surgery? Even though that only has statistically a 5% success rate at best, and that's not even counting, that's only counting the next five years of if that person lives or dies. And if they don't, they forget about it, and then we don't know what happens after that. Well, okay, I mean, I mean, okay, you got, it's a kind of your decision, but if I were you, I would actually just reroute completely. I would actually treat this like a life or death situation. Right, that's, this is, this is the stuff I'm, I'm doing this all the time with people, like, there's just no filter anymore. It's like, I just see the situation, I get it, it's like, okay, this is what you need to do. Courage, faith, action. Like, I literally pack my bags, I, instead, of, instead of sitting there mulling over in my, like, boxed-in reality, disconnected from the earth on a carpet, and then breathing in fumes or whatever I'm doing in my house, and, and that, that fluorescent lights and being, you know, impacted by whatever energies that are not allowing me to see clearly, hey, get on a plane, go to Hawaii for a month, get underneath the waterfall, and then make your decision, right? Because then you'll be clear. And this is a big thing, by the way. We got to get clear. We got to get really clear about our life. Like, what are we doing? And how is what we're doing or not doing for ourselves affecting our environment? Right? The micro environment, and then perhaps on the bigger picture, the bigger environment. So, like, our, our particular journey is not independent of the animals. Like, you want to talk about healing? You want to get into some real healing? Then, and you have something going on, maybe it's just like you have a heartbreak, or you're dealing with something um, physical, or there's just some pain around it, you feel lonely and just kind of isolated, then start working with animals. Start connecting with that world, right? Get into nature. Like, really get that connection, because ultimately, every type, of, every type of healing, including core wounds, is ultimately a feeling of disconnection. Like, the wound, like, for, okay, for example, like, the wound, we've all, this is like popular language on social media right now, 
And there's kind of like a lot of armchair psychiatrists right now, but that's okay. It's all good, getting the message out there, sharing our different perspectives. But what I definitely know from a clinical perspective um, is that a wound is actually not what most people think it is. So most people associate a wound, which is a feeling of disconnection to an event that happened, but the event isn't the wound at all. The event is a, a catalyst that created a disconnection. It created a separation. It created a wedging or um, an archetypical split within that person's identity, and it creates the separation. And, this, and anything that triggers the separation isn't of itself the wounding, right? Does that make sense? And the body, the, the body and the soul essentially are always trying to heal itself and get back into union, get back into integration. So it will re-trigger experiences to get that message across. Because in our culture, we basically numb, sedated, tranquilized, pacified ourselves so we don't feel. Or we only feel what we want to feel, right? Coffee is great, it's dopamine, or it's serotonergic, it increases the serotonin, the temporary serotonin experience. But if you're adrenally fatigued or you have a lack, you have a lot of fear in your life from a Chinese medicine perspective, you have a lot of fear going on, it actually weakens your adrenals, which are the house of your willpower. So then that kind of thing, that kind of energy is like called false fire. And then that kind of thing can give you that momentary like, oh, life is good again. But then it comes at a, a deeper cost, right? And so it's like the body is so perfect in its symphonic messaging, it's hormonal, harmonic kind of signaling that um, it will it will break down out of necessity if necessary, because it's actually not about the body at all. The body is a repairable, regeneratable avatar or a vessel for something much greater, and that something greater is who you actually are, right? Just this energy, this energy being that's in this physical body, and the body will break itself down if necessary for the soul to get awareness of its being. Because from that place, from whatever you want to call it, by the way, you don't like that, okay, it's too much, like, choose a different word. Your authentic self. That's a good one, right? Whatever that is, at the core of that, there's a signature, which is what and who you really are. It's your cosmological coordinates. So when you're born, I was going on that thread, when you're actually born, your human design, your gene keys, your astrological coordinates are imprinted upon you. That moment, you, you um, probably right before you come out of the mother's womb, before you, 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 you basically start the biological clock is when the baby is essentially wiped off. Wiped off from the plasma is really, I think, when it actually, that kind of, that kind of protective layer is completely wiped off, which is really important when you're considering natural birthing. Right? That's a pretty big one when you start to consider, like, okay, the moment the child is, is, you know, exiting out of the womb and put on this earth in physical form, exposed to in the environment, its entire down, its entire being, its, its soul identification is actually imprinted upon it. It's probably sooner than that, but just to give you, like, kind of the basic idea of what that means. So, like, studying things like human design. Studying things like the gene keys, studying different types of astrology that resonate with you, and kind of getting, getting a little bit of those navigation things actually helps you get cosmologically literate. 
right? Get that? Like, it's one thing to know, to be illiterate. Like, you can read and write, and that's cool. Um, but it's another thing to be cosmically literate. That means you can navigate your human experience by the volition of your own intuition, which is going to lead us into another interesting part of this, is that you actually can be in total unification with yourself and deeply connected with other people because you actually know who you are. Not you like, oh, I know, I went to a Tony Robbins thing. I love Tony Robbins, by the way. And like, I, I know who I am now. It's like, no, no. No, who you are is like, it's a whole, it didn't know. It's a whole different exploration. It's actually a never-ending thing. Like, you can't really know the infinity of it, so that's what makes life interesting, is this is constant unfolding. That's probably why we potentially recycle and come back in, because it's an infinite game that we're playing, right? And so what I find, you know, just an interesting segue to that, and this whole thing about the environment, like, let's just take this perspective real quick. Like, how connected we are to that outside environment right there. Inside your body, you have four pathways of detoxification. It's your lungs, it's your colon, it's your kidneys, and it's your skin. So this is respiration, perspiration, defecation, and urination, right? Those are the four pathways in which your body eliminates waste products. And then you have your liver, which is detoxing, and 600 other functions that we don't need to talk about. But that's, so that's really interesting. And there's actually a lot of interesting things I could ramble on about that may or may not be interesting to you. I haven't really thought it out. It's just kind of like right there. But what I have thought out is the earth and the biosphere that we live in is a mirror mapping of those four elimination portals. Right? What's this? Respiration, atmosphere, defecation, earth, geology, urination, water, hydrological cycle, perspiration, photosphere, heliosphere, sun, Right? And then go from a Chinese medicine perspective, it goes in another layer deeper, which is air, fire, water, earth. And then there's wood and metal, it's just something else. Right? And it, it, can, it, it can continue to get unpacked more and more, depending on how much you need to get the message. The message is that when you connect with nature, you actually connect with that thing inside of you that was disconnected and was wounded at birth, or not, I don't know, if you were slapped or something by someone in a white trench coat, that's a pretty good, reasonable um, imprint to think about, right? That's a whole nother, I mean, all that, like I could go so far down the rabbit hole of that, but basically whatever wound or whatever separation that was created when we were a child or whenever, the antidote for it is if it's separation or disconnection, which creates the trauma or creates the, the pain, then what would be the likely antidote for that? Connection, right? Okay, and then connection creates the healing potential, right? It's like, okay, so this is interesting. So then you, you close the gap and you come back into union. That's like when you, you've been through something that's been weighing on you and then you have a moment of like insight. You have a moment of clarity. Has anyone here ever like been in something in their life where like you thought that things around you had to change for you to feel better, but then like 
you did something like some kind of substance or like you went on a run or a whatever the thing was and then all of a sudden you had a moment of clarity and you realized you actually didn't need the thing you actually it was just the clarity that you needed has anyone had that experience right so that's the connection that's the connection but here's the third prong to that which is which is going from healing to healed transforming to transformed and it's it's the integration it's what you do after that. Because this is kind of how, I don't know, spirit plays peekaboo with us. It's like we have these moments of insight. We have these moments of like clarity or inspiration. But why is it that we don't do? We don't always act on them. Has anyone thought about that? So what would you do about that? Um, what's, what's going on with the, the exhaustion? I don't know. It's like sometimes it just gets so exhausting that it's like, oh, like, that's totally a sign from the universe for me to, like, get with my shit. But, like, sometimes you're just so emotionally exhausted that you just can't, like, I don't even want to do something, you know? But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something clicks sometimes and it works. But if something big enough, no, I get it. Yeah, no, I completely get it. That's that's kind of what's going on right now with a lot of people, like especially like empaths, intuitives, people that are super energetically sensitive. Is like you have to learn how to protect yourself. That's kind of like the baby analogy. Like there's a protective layer of plasma, but once it gets washed off, it's like exposed to the world. And then as it matures and grows and becomes neurologically developed. Then there's a psychic influence, right? And you start swimming in the psychic field of the collective. And this is, this is largely called the, the, um, the collective unconscious, which is you start tuning in when things start opening up energetically or psychic abilities or whatever start to open up. Then you start to tune in to the collective field. And so that exhaustion oftentimes isn't your own. That fear Oftentimes, it's not actually your own because often, you know, the, the, I mean, that's first, that's step one is like disassociating from the emotion or the, the repetitive cycle that keeps playing out. Because as long as you, you kind of like, you have ownership over it, then it, it kind of has ownership over you. So it's like there's this process of like you're going through it, but then there's got to be this process of like you're you're distancing you're distancing yourself from it without ignoring it or avoiding it. It's kind of like you can see it, and that's the clarity. You can't when you're in the storm, then there is no clarity. You're just being spun around. But when you kind of step outside the storm, you always can. By the way, you always can. Then all of a sudden, you can see. The pattern, and then you can kind of like move out of the way, like, oh, okay, it's going that way. Good. And it sounds easier and done, but it's kind of the idea. Like, one of the, and again, it's the same conversation. Like, how do you actually, how do you actually heal yourself? How do you de-stress yourself? How do you get into clarity? Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta um, close the gap on that internal separation. And the only way to do that is do things that connect you. Right. This is why food is so important because. You know, the food that you eat is a direct manifestation, it's a manifested byproduct of the earth, of every system, every system in the earth, in the, that four quadrant explanation. 
It's a byproduct. It's like the birth. It's the manifestation of all that. And it's the concentration of life force that comes from those energies. And then you consume that, particularly in its raw, undisturbed, uncooked, unheat treated, unpasteurized, unhomogenized, unantibioticized, unterrorized form. Then you actually you actually take in the the the. Yeah, the life force is the best way of saying it. And as you do that more and more, what ends up happening is that you become more connected. Does that make sense? And then what, you can either do this either way. You can start eating food from the land, which draws you closer to the land, or you can just go out on a limb and just go into nature, and then it will call you to make intuitive food choices. It will call you to make intuitive life direction choices. Right? If you can be quiet enough for it. So, anyways, that's that side of it. Um, the other thing that kind of piggybacks on top of that idea is this idea of the microbiome. Has anyone heard that term, the microbiome? Yeah, this is like one of the biggest things right now in, in the medical field, in science in general. One of the things like that came up when I was talking to you, Keone, earlier was this idea of like the cultural ancestral memory of our ancestors, and it's like, I've been looking at all this so deeply from so many different angles and rabbit holes, I feel like I actually have a, a technical understanding of what that is. Just like understanding that like our cells are packets of light called biophotons, and they actually carry light frequencies directed from the, the sun. And when you're sun gazing, you wanna be barefoot on the earth at a particular sequence in the sun's cycle, particularly 45 minutes when it raises and 45 minutes as it's going to sundown, barefoot on the ground so you're an electric conductor, you're not insulated because your K1, K2 point, which is your kidney meridians, are connected, your kidneys are powered, you're, they're like your battery pack. So it's actually electrically charging your kidney, like if you're, you're plugged in your Tesla to, to the um, electric station, then it's gonna power it up. Same exact principle, except this thing right here is infinitely more powerful than a car. Will can ever be, right? And then, then you're getting, then you can get the actual light frequencies coursing through your body. Not to mention that your body has more vitamin D3 receptors than anything. The only thing close to it is CBD. But not not really close. It's it's. I mean, you, that's a whole other conversation. But really, like your body is actually made up of light frequencies, and as the light oxidizes or degrades, and you lose that connection, then you know the body goes through the aging cycle. That's really what the aging cycle is. I say, how many dances around the sun have you done? All these things, there's all kinds of wisdom wrapped up in these little metaphors and things that we think are cute, but it's actually like, if you can see it and get like, oh, that's, that's, that's a message. That's a direction right there, right? So anyways, the microbiome, like when we think about like this, I'm gonna go back to that point, connect it, like when we think about ancestral memory, your ancestor's memory is mostly housed in your microbiome. I don't know if that's ever been proven, but I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll stand in front of any audience of doctors or anything, and I'll say that pretty clearly, because it's like, duh. Like, what we know about the microbiome is that 
the, the bacteria strains inside of you are different than they once were. Like thousands of years ago, our ancestors had completely different microbiotic colonies. This has all been this has all been proven through archaeological studies. And there is still remnants. There is still it's interesting, like you can repopulate your the diversity of life forms within your body. And your microbiome is not just in your small intestine, it's actually all over and all in. Your oral cavity is part of your microbiome. The beneficial bacteria and the not-so-beneficial bacteria we call pathogens are living in your gums or between your teeth, your that whole thing, right? And something like gingivitis, for an example, is just basically the, the imbalance of beneficial bacteria and opportunistic bacteria. And whatever substances or whatever inner environment is being created. So your microbiome, let's just focus on like kind of the, what is obvious, which is like the internal. If you think about a rainforest or a semi-tropical environment, that's probably the most accurate read on what a healthy microbiome is. A healthy inner terrain. You don't heal physical conditions by um, cut, burn, poison, obviously. Um, or antibioticizing something or dropping a new, like, you're gonna, you're gonna grow a new rainforest once you've nuked it? I mean, just sit with that one for a second, right? Or you've radiated it, or you've cut incisions into the skin, which is the protective shield of your inner environment, right? Or whatever. It, it needs to be non-invasive or least invasive. It depends on the situation. Obviously, there's a place, and there's a, um, there are you know there are reasonable applications for these things. But the paradigm that this is the only way, or like the fear, like if you go to a doctor and you go in there, you may have had nothing wrong with you before you came in, but when you leave, you got a whole box of pills and a whole doomsday report. All of a sudden, you got this thing growing out of your neck. Maybe not you, but it does happen. It's called psychoneuroimmunology. Basically, your there's neuropeptides in your brain that are basically like thought forms, and they're directly connected to your immune system. And so, what they figured out is that somebody's state directly influences their immune function. And then take this out a little bit further. Then there's something called sham surgeries or the placebo effect. Has anyone heard about sham surgeries before? So they take two people, they line them up in different rooms, they both get the identical operation, like one of the, one of the popular ones is a knee surgery. So you got two people, two different gurneys, one gets the actual surgery, one doesn't, but they got a little incision and they got anesthesia, and then when they woke up, they said, oh, yep, everything's great, surgery went fine. And the person who didn't get the surgery tends to recover quicker than the one who did. Check that one out. Sham surgeries. It's part of the placebo effect. Pretty interesting stuff. So again, getting connected to nature becomes kind of the prime directive because, you know, like just back on this thing about the microbiome, little, little kind of return to that, you know, your microbiome, let's just be super just like, nuts and bolts about it, you're not, you're not, yeah, your microbiome 
is governing 80% of your immune function, 80 to 90% of your serotonin function. Like really everything, your hormone system, your endocrine system, your cardiovascular system. I mean, one of the things we know for sure is that cardiovascular health is directly connected to your, your intestinal health and your microbiotic health. How do we know that? Well, we definitely know that a large majority of um, heart disease occurs with people that have had root canals. I think it's 97%. I was talking to a functional doctor friend of mine a couple of years ago on my podcast about this, and I mentioned that, and he's like, yep, we know that. We know that for sure. And I mean, I could go down, the, I have videos on YouTube talking about the dangers of root canals. If you want to look deeper into that, look it up. You can look it up right now on your, your phone. YouTube University, it's free. Not that we want things that are free and available and accessible with the click of a button. I'd rather pay $100,000 for four years of some other kind of thing. Anyways, so that, that's super interesting. You start to realize, like, okay, so this thing about the microbiome, what's that mean? Like, what's that mean to my heart? And then again, the metaphors are endless. Okay, what is the heart? Well, on one level, the heart is this organ that is not pumping blood suctioning blood, it's a different force. Instead of pressure, it's levity. It's a feminine force, essentially. It's not forcing anything, but it is a force. And it's, it's actually, it's like spiraling. If you study sacred geometry, and you study a man named Victor Schauberger, he was the one who figured out that when you leave water stale, like in a glass, and you just leave it there, the light force dissipates, and the minerals dissipate. But when you spin it up in a vortex, then it reorganizes itself and comes back to life. Like, are we clear that, like, water is not just this clear, opaque substance called H2O? Like, that it's actually a life force? That it may be the most powerful life force that we know of, that it actually is, is scientifically proven to be an energy containment substance that actually contains like information. So this idea when water is information, it contains information. So if you go to a spring, for example, it's, it's, there's a spiral action. There's a levitational kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what does that mean? Like, so gravity. Right? Suppression, gravitational pull, this feels heavy, right? This is heavy energy, right? Carrying the weight of the world. Then there's a levitational force, which is the formative embryonic feminine force of creation, which is like levity, it's uplifting. It's like, whoa, I, whoa, everything feels really good. It's like your lymphatic system. Your lymphatic system moves unidirectionally, which is up. And then it dumps down into the blood, and then that goes through its whole thing, right? So what is the, what is the heart? Well, on one level, it's, it's that organ that does all that kind of stuff. And then on another level, it's the most powerful electromagnetic generator of, of energy that's ever been discovered. Way more powerful than this, right? It's called, you know, there's, there's the, the heart, the heart, you know, think with your heart. Well, now it's like, oh yeah, that's starting to make a little more sense, especially for those men. Like, okay, now I get what, kind of what that means. Does that mean just be floating around in my emotions? No. That has nothing to do with what I mean. 
What it, what it means is that your heart is actually the guide. Like leaning in with your heart, living with your heart. Your heart actually is the master, and then the mind is the, the student, so to speak. It's, it's the servant or whatever, however you want to think about that. Your mind is like, it's incredibly powerful. It's a heat-seeking missile, but it is not the pilot. But our whole culture is trying to make this the master. And that's why we have this desensitized, disconnected, divisive, individuated, you know, feminine, masculine, split-off type of culture. Because this thing up here is supposed to follow orders. This thing right here is supposed to pilot the ship. Does that make sense? And if we're living from here, then there's no way we can actually, you know, damage our ecosystem. There's no way that we can stuff ourselves with, you know, whatever goobity gob junk food, processed food, factory farm, like animal food, whatever the thing is that we're using to actually numb this. If we're actually like really connecting with the intelligence of our heart and letting it open up and break open at the seams, then the level of self-love that starts to happen compels you to actually take care of yourself. It compels you to actually heal yourself, right? And then this thing starts to awaken. You know what I'm saying? Like illuminate, like it actually lets go of the whole, the ego, the ego mind that's actually destroying the planet and making ridiculous excuses for why it's doing that without actually like acknowledging the fact that that's happening. Right? It's like, so what do we do about that? Well, each one of us has to take total ownership for the situation. That's my perspective. Right? Because the only other option is be a victim. It's like, I don't care what's right or wrong or like, who cares? I don't care about that anymore. Let's get something done. Like, let's actually heal the planet. That sounds like a good use of my time and energy in this life. Sounds like a good side gig, at least. Something to consider. And how do we heal the planet? Well, we don't do it as a wounded healer. That's for sure. We gotta let go of that whole, or I'm gonna save the world. Like, I, I, I let go of that a couple weeks ago. It's the best thing ever. I'm so much more capable of actually helping the world now that I dropped that whole story. It was like, whoa, what a, what a weight on my shoulders that was. And it's kind of the, the old generation, right? Just carrying the load of our, our ancestors, carrying the load of those that came before us, but then it's like, oh, cool, they actually did that. Oh, okay, got it. I don't have to repeat that cycle because they paved the way. Now all I have to do is just follow the path. Because it's already paved, right? And so first thing we do is like we get into like loving ourselves enough to heal ourselves. And then once we do that, then now we actually become integrated whole and capable of doing what we came here to do. Right? And so, you know, that that's just the biggest point that I, I like to drive because it doesn't happen again independent of what's going on out there. And as long as we're pointing out there in deferring responsibility to everything out there, blame, shame, jealousy, resentment, pride, all that stuff, right? All that stuff that keeps us separated, then we actually are disempowering ourselves every time we have those feelings. Not just the feelings, but we identify with them. And it causes us to enact one step further. One day goes by that you could have made a difference in your life, your family's life, your partners, your children, your parents, your community, whatever. It causes you not to show up. 
remember? And so that's, that's the game. It's like, okay, I'm, instead of doing that, instead of deferring responsibility to others or blaming other people or blaming the world or blaming the control system, yeah, great, that's okay, got it, that's part of the game, okay, this is a virtual reality holographic simulation, okay, got it, I'm in a video game, it's the best way to explain the situation. Okay, well then, how do I want to play the game? Right? Like, what was it, Super Mario, you know, if you go through, and that's kind of an interesting, interesting idea, you know, he eats a mushroom and then he becomes Super Mario, and it's like, that's, you know, that's an option. There's, there are plenty, what's it? Bowser. 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 Right, he has the face of the serpent. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. But then he rides Luigi too, you know. So, I mean, look, like, it's just like the, 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 the messages are everywhere. It's just your ability to interpret them and create meaning out of it. Because ultimately, like, we're just meaning machines, meaning-making machines anyways. Like, we're making this whole thing up as we go. That's probably the biggest point I could say, is like... Whether anything I'm saying is right or not, or it clicks, or it's kind of like, hey, it's an interesting idea, I don't quite understand how that works, makes sense. Make up your own meaning. Like, make up the meaning for your life, if that's what you need to get into the cockpit. It doesn't matter to me, like, I don't care if you have a completely different opinion to me, as long as it empowers you to do what you need to do, then go at it. Right? Like, that's the whole game. What's going to get us to actually do what we're here to do? What's going to get us to do to heal once and for all? And to actually go through transformation, go through that metamorphosis? Well, I, I mean, I think you can will your way through it. You can force your way through it. And that does have, you know, sometimes you just have, you can't submit. You have to, you know, you have to exert some, some, some pressure. You have to, you know, kind of break through that shell of passivity or whatever it is. But that's not an everyday thing. Like, most of it is just like, how are you going to love yourself today? Because when you love yourself, you naturally love others. And it doesn't have to be this whole, like, holographic, quantum physics view of like, oh, you're me and I'm you. Like, you're a mirror of me. It's like, well, yes and no. I take responsibility for what's mine. And because we're in these human forms, you get to do the same thing. <laughs> so some of this you kind of have to do think. You have to think through just a little bit, right? But what what I can do is I can take full responsibility for my own happiness. I can take full responsibility for my circumstances. Because as long as I can do that, then I have the power to create. I have the power to change. Right? If I can take responsibility for the healing of the planet, doesn't mean I'm taking all the responsibility. I would love for some other people to take a little bit of responsibility too. You know what I mean? Like that would be awesome. But I'm going to take responsibility for my little pocket. Because then I can actually step forward as a healed, integrated human being that you know, can do my work. And can have the effect on people that I'm meant to have. Just like all of you. You get to have that effect that you're meant to have on all the different people out there in the world. And one of the best ways um, to really to integrate, to, 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 
um, to practicalize a lot of this, this is where my head's been out lately, is really starting with what you're putting in your mouth. You know, just bring it right back there, bring it full circle, bring it right back to that. Like, how did we get here? Well, it was, a lot of it was food. Like, there was going to be food here, right? Okay, cool. Well, then, then I, can, I can make an appearance. I can check it out, right? It's typically how these things go anyways. And then, oh, there's going to be a talk. Okay, well, that, that's cool. Awesome. Well, check that out. There's going to be cool people. There's going to be community. There's going to be tribe. There's going to be connection, right? One of the only reasons we eat food is in social gatherings. It's, an, it's a way to actually connect, right? It's a ritual. The, the other way people eat food is to disconnect. So you just think about which one are you doing, right? Some people are doing certain substances socially is they, it, in that moment it creates a connection. And then a lot of people are doing the same substances as a way to disconnect. Right? So that's, you know, that just keeps bringing it back to that point. Let's get back, um, but there is something I want to, I want to really dive in here, um, here before I forget, like, okay, back to the microbiome, like, one of the great innovations of our time comes from one of the biggest catastrophes of our time, which is um, what we call glyphosate. Has anyone heard of glyphosate before? Like Monsanto, Roundup Ready pesticide, herbicide, right? Um, this, is, this is a massive catastrophe, like complete ignorance on fire, like completely. And basically this herbicide is in over 75%, maybe a lot more than that of our overall food supply. That includes organic food as well. It's just coming from the winds that are blowing it from the, the GMO farms. Have you, has anyone ever been on, has anyone been on the south side lately? And you pass by that road and you see the GMO cornfields? I mean, I just smell like, it's like, whoa, it's just like this weird 10 minute portal of just like, Whoa, just like, um, just kind of like, like, um, almost like death energy. It's like, no, I don't, can't really candy coat. It's just kind of like the feeling I get there. And, um, and that, and it's kind of like that's, that's kind of nested itself in this whole beautiful, otherwise garden island. And that is actually something that we don't have to be afraid of it, but we have to know that it's part of our reality. It's part of just kind of the food reality, the agriculture reality, and hopefully there are incredible initiatives to remove and then remediate that, but for the time being, that's part of what we're dealing with, um, let alone what we're dealing with on a world, world stage. So what do we do about that? Okay, glyphosate, what is that? Well, that's basically a type of herbicide that mimics an amino acid called glycine in your, your body, and if you are deficient in glycine, then your body will choose a toxic version of that nutrient to fit into the cell receptor site. It's kind of like that with radioactive iodine, you know, like from Fukushima, iodine-151. Well, if you're iodine deficient, which almost half the population is, maybe more, I don't know what the statistic is, then that radioactive iodine is going to fit right in there, and then you might have some kind of thyroid imbalance, right? Some kind of autoimmune condition um, uh, or something of that sort, right? Same thing, so like, so glyphosate has a particular focus. One of the things we know is that it does run down the microbiome. 
It breaks down what's called the microvilli in your small intestine, which are these finger-like protrusions that come out of the small intestinal wall, and they, they, they pull in nutrients into the body. Okay, so if you can kind of visualize that for a second. When you digest food, one level of it is actually before you even chew the food, one part of digestion is when you look at the food. This is actually a really important thing to know about. When you're looking at food, it, it sends almost like an homeopathic kind of like signal to your saliva. And the salivary enzymes start to get produced. And that's actually the starting of digestion. So like intentionality becomes really important. What are you salivating for is a good idea, is a good indicator of like, what does my body want right now? Instead of like, okay, I'm gonna, like this, this is cool, like if that works for you, that's great. I'm just very physical, maybe it's just because I'm a man, like I'm just very physical, so I like to kind of like, what does my physical body or my sensations telling me, right? And then when you eat that, you chew it, very, you start chewing, 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 like really chewing it, then you produce 15% more serotonin, which gives you that like, ah, that happy feeling, you know? It's kind of like chewing on crackers or something. For, for a little bit, you're like really happy and you get that crunch. Um, and then from there, there's like four different processes. But then finally, what actually pulls in the nutrients is those meat microvilli. Now what we know about glyphosate, probably a lot of other things, gluten probably plays its role too, is that the microvilli, those fingers, get broken down. And then what we're finding is a mass level of nutrient absorption issues. So like people that are loading up on meat, like bodybuilders and, and people are just like, I need my protein, I need my protein, they're just loading up on, on meat and they don't realize that if you do the analytical studies on a piece of chicken, it might be 1.7% protein by dry matter weight. Like seriously, like, oh, I'm getting my protein. Really? In what form? Is it even digestible? Is there a bunch of other stuff like, like cartilage and tendons and musculature and, and potential organisms in there? Is it like, is it cooked? Is it raw? Is it like, I mean, it's like, it's actually really gnarly. Once you start waking up to the fact that like, hey, this is a randomized carving of an animal's musculature. It's like, oh, huh. But I'm calling it a piece of protein. Like if you're going to do it, do what you're going to do, but don't call it a piece of protein, call it what it is. Right? And that's part of the disconnection from our environment. And the disconnection from the sanctity of life. Like we go to the store and we just get this package of some bloody like muscle and we're just like, oh, my protein. It's like, whoa, what? It's like, do you, where did that come from? What? You know, it's like... That's, the, that's it. That's part of the core wounding, by the way, just to take just to the connection, just to keep the, 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 the layers of connection here, like the unawareness around eating animal foods. And this isn't a vegan thing. I don't care. Like, I mean, I could, I could rant and rave about my issues with vegans all day long. It's like nothing's wrong with veganism. It's just like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things wrong with a lot of vegans. Like I just put that out there openly because I've been deep in that community for like 10 years straight. And I know the pros and cons of that. I'm not into fundamentalism. I'm not into dogma. But what I am into is like, hey, we need to call a spade a spade. Like, it doesn't matter what your diet is. It doesn't matter what your your um, experiment is the best way to call it. Like, 
because it's really just an experiment. Just treat it gently, like I'm just experimenting with what feels right, what feels good. Awesome. But culturally speaking, like we've become so disconnected from the sanctity of life that it's, it's again, it's like it's created that disconnect within ourselves. And so once we start to realize that, and maybe we do go on a purification path. I would recommend that everybody does that. Everybody has that experience. Like, you don't have to be anything. You don't have to be a raw foodist, a vegan, vegetarian, fruitarian, insectivore, carnivore, heliovore, whatever. Like, these are all cool things to play with, and I have on every level. And what I've learned is that... Um, It's really just been a process of finding, finding the truth, finding the truth, and looking at every every layer of it. Like, okay, what's real here? What's real here? What's real here? What's real here? And what that's created is a deep, deep integration within myself and a connection with nature. Does that make sense? Right? Like, this is kind of like this whole process, as simple as it sounds. You know, we're talking about healing. We're talking about transformation. We're talking about, like, what's the spiritual connection between the healing of our body and the healing of the planet, right? And it's to the point that we can actually see the connection that we heal. And it's not about me ranting and raving and riffing on everything that I think is interesting. It's just kind of like catalytic jolts of energy to create some kind of opening wherever it may land, but it's, it's to the point that we actually can see the connection for ourselves, that, we be con- that we become connected to it, right? And to, to life, and that connection creates the spontaneous healing, creates the spontaneous um, uh, emergence of something new, and then connecting back to this whole glyphosate thing, the glyphosate thing, the GMO thing, just so we're clear, that's an anti-life movement. It's anti-life, it's anti-magic, it's anti-mysticism, it's anti-nature, it's anti-common sense, it's anti-scientific, it's anti-life. And so one of the things we're dealing with in our world is that we're, you know, we're, we're, we have to, what has to emerge through all of us is this emergence of life force that, that can stand and hold space Almost like, I don't want to say against, but that's one level of it, is against the anti-life culture, the death culture. And then from there, we can transmute that into a new form of life through transmuting our own pain, transmuting our own healing, right? And so when we th- so anyways, back to this glyphosate thing, let me finish out that thought. So what is the innovation? Because that's one of the things I mentioned, is that there's an innovation to that particular issue. When I read Napoleon Hill's book, Thinking Grow Rich, like 15 years ago, I think, one of the big ideas that came out of that was that within every problem is the seed of its very solution. Within every problem that we face is the seed of its very solution. Otherwise, otherwise saying there's no obstacle, there's no challenge, there's no problem that is ever created without its very solution. Does that idea make sense? The seeker is the sought. The seeker is the sought. The seer is the seer and the sought. Or the seen. Right? 
Like, so actually every single thing that you're facing in your own individual life and then the big picture, the, the, the solution's already built into it, right? That's interesting. So then that means that there must be some kind of intelligent, alchemical kind of process to all this. So when we have this issue like the glyphosate contamination in our environment, a solution does emerge out of it. And one of, one of those solutions, the most powerful one that I'm aware of right now, is something called the biomedic, which is interesting. So the biomedic is an innovative product from... Purium, which has been scientifically shown to remove up to 74% of glyphosate in the body within a six-week period of time on average, which is unprecedented. There's nothing else that we've ever seen that actually can do that, that's verifiably proven to do that. Another thing that it does is it rebuilds the microvilli in the small intestine so you can actually absorb all of the nutrients that you're, you would normally absorb from your food. So you could be eating food, you could be eating raw food and superfoods and plant-based food and otherwise would be amazing nourishing food, but if you have a compromised digestive system, um, then you may not be able to absorb all the nutrients. Right, does that idea make sense? Yeah. So it's just kind of like there's levels to it. So then. Once we realize all this, then it's like, okay, what can I do to start rebuilding and repopulating that colony of beneficial bacteria? How can I rebuild the, 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 um, the, the fences in the garden? Because it's like, this is your biological garden. That's the best way to think about it is like, your microbiome is your biological garden. Weeds grow quicker than flowers. So whether that's the garden of your mind, Negativity will sprout and manifest and spread quicker than positive thoughts. So you got to actually, it's actually more effective to reduce or completely remove and weed out the negative thoughts and limiting belief systems more than it is just to think about positive ones. Because your positive thoughts take time, the neuro associations take time because the programming is so deep from childhood that you have to re, you have to reprogram. Does it make sense? You have to actually, it's a bit of a longer process, and if you have weeds in there, then it makes it harder, but if you can pull back the weeds and hold the weeds at bay, and then the flowers have room to grow. Once they grow, once the tree grows, the weeds die away. They don't resonate at the same frequency, but you got to kind of keep it at bay. Same thing with your, your biological garden. You have these organisms, like pathogens or you know bad bacteria, that they're like the weeds. They will grow and spread quicker than the probiotic bacteria. But if you can do, if you can organize, thank you, you can organize your nutrition strategy instead of your diet, because the word diet has the word die in it, right? So it's like actually, it's a livid strategy. Has anyone ever thought about that with diets? Like the word die? Like do diets work? Right, so we want to get on the livid. So it's probably a good idea to get a lot of things that are life force containing. So we start doing that. We start getting into superfoods, green powdered superfoods. We start getting into all the fun things that we like to play with in that world. We start getting into herbs and tonic herbs. We start getting into spring water. We start getting into different kind of novel supplements like amino acids and like the biomedic and 
maybe getting into fermented food, like fermented vegetables, start rebuilding the inner terrain, and as you stack all those things on top of each other, it starts to repopulate, refer. Okay, whatever, I don't know. So it starts to repopulate the internal garden, right? This is, I mean, do you get my train of thought here? Like, I'm throwing out a lot of things, because this is really, I didn't think about one bit of this before I got up here. So, but there is a theme, there is a theme that's, that's kind of carrying all this, which is that something new can emerge out of what, what once was. Who you used to be definitely does not have to be who you are, or who you become, right? Your lifestyle as it has been definitely does not need to persist up to the point that you give permission. I guess ultimately what I'm kind of saying is like, there's a few things, like you can't heal yourself if you don't participate in the healing of the planet. Because that's a different type of healing, like that will heal your soul. Like the body, yeah, getting barefoot on the ground. Well, is that the most powerful anti-inflammatory ever scientifically discovered? Yes. Yes, grounding will actually thin your blood quicker than blood thinning medication. That's why you actually can't take blood thinning medication if you're doing long stretches of grounding. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Will, will eating from the land, will that start to heal your, your nutrient deficiencies? Will that start to de-stress your nervous system, getting more green, heart symbolic energy? What's green chakra? What is that? It's like your heart, right? Right, the green energy, getting more chlorophyll. What's chlorophyll? Chlorophyll is almost identical to your blood. The only difference between chlorophyll and your blood is a mineral called magnesium, which is the number one mineral that operates the human heart. The number one reason for heart failure is magnesium deficiency and potassium deficiency, electrolytes. And then what's in plant blood? What's in chlorophyll? It's a mineral called... Iron, or excuse me, reverse those, sorry. In your blood, it's iron, and in plants, it's magnesium. And when you take in chlorophyll, when you take in that green vibrancy, then the, the magnesium from the plants pops in, almost as this interesting like switch, this alchemical pop, and then feeds magnesium to your heart. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. That's why chocolate is such a powerful medicine, like real chocolate, like cacao. Like the hundred cacao pods that I harvested last week with my buddy Spencer over in Noni Land. Walking and talking, just having the best conversation in the world, in total natural magic. Oh, and we're harvesting cacao, cacao pods at the same time. Then we continue the conversation going into the chocolate factory that they got there, and we're popping open literally a hundred cacao pods, talking about just the, you know the most amazing thing ever, feeling super high, natural high on life, and you know just just popping open probably the most sacred food in the world. Oh, by the way, that's the food that has more magnesium in it than anything else that's ever been discovered. Just throw that out at you. Right? The purple flame of Saint Germain, just since we're on this thing, the purple flame of Saint Germain, has anyone heard that thing? It's kind of like if you're in, it's kind of like folk story, alchemical, kind of, it's kind of like if you're into like angel reading or whatever, like you kind of come across these kind of things. 
Saint Germain was basically an alchemist, and now he's like an ascended master, and there's this idea of the purple flame of Saint Germain. What's the this, this spiritual chakra of you? Right, like the chakra above your head, like what's the color? Purple, the crown, thank you, it's purple, right? Well, okay, in Chinese medicine, they have something called the three treasures, which is basically this, this candle with a flame, and the candle wax is called Jing. Your Jing is your primordial energy, your primordial life force, basically your adrenals. Easy way to think of it, right? Your adrenals go down, then the candle, it's like burning the candle at both ends. The flame is your chi. It's your animated life force, that dynamic life force to do and move and all that, right? Then, if you look at a, a flame of a candle long enough, there's this luminescent purplish glow on top of it. That's the shen. In Chinese medicine, or more, the Chinese medicine is actually relatively new, it's Taoist, Taoist Chinese medicine or herbalism. That's your spirit. That's the thing that actually heals you. And, it's, and, and if somebody has a lot of shen, even if they're, they have low adrenal energy, even if they're sick, even if they're, they're kind of dying, their shen is what keeps them alive. This is, oh, this is in Taoist thought, it's in Ayurveda, it's in every, every, every culture that was connected to, to life itself, they all knew this. You know, because what happens with a flower? You can take a plant and the plant's wilting. All of a sudden, somebody comes over and starts singing to it. They start watering it. They start talking to it. All of a sudden, the flower or the plant starts to come back to life. Has anyone seen this? Right? It happens all the time. It's a spontaneous emergence of life. Well, why would our bodies be any different? No, but it's so like what I'm getting at is this whole purple thing. Well, if you break open a cacao pod, does anyone ever broken open a cacao pod? Purple. When you break open, you have the white feminine pulp, which saves, um, historically was only eaten by women. It was it was like a um, fertility and pregnancy um, kind of um, uh, material, right? And then the men would eat the is like they eat the bean. That would be like kind of. I don't know, this masculine idea, it's kind of like this energy, or it's like whatever, whatever, whatever the idea with that is. So when you break open, yeah, there you go. It's purple. Now when you roast it, it becomes brown. But it starts off as purple, and if you go a level deeper, it actually represents the two hemispheres of the brain. You can see it when you're. I've worked with cacao for at least six, seven years. Like I've, I've, I have cracked. A lot of different codes on that particular food, and when you when you cut it open, you actually see like so. What, what's that mean? When you are feminine dominant, and I don't mean I don't mean in this way of like swimming in a in a emotional wave, right? I mean the intelligence of the divine feminine, like the the stability and the clarity and the kind of just the the, the ethic. And the ethical awareness, the connectivity, your brain waves actually work better. Your brain operates more dynamically. You can hold more. Like women, the one of the women, one of the reasons women, um, uh, not one of the reasons why women live longer. A lot of that's because of a menstrual cycle, because you actually are releasing toxic iron more than men. Men build up toxic iron specifically when they're eating a lot of meat, and then that actually builds in their system longer. And iron is an oxidant. So it will actually, it will actually corrode 
the cardiovascular system over time. That's why heart disease is most prevalent among men. Breast cancer, you know, obviously one of the biggest things for women. And there's a whole there's a whole metaphorical thing behind that. Anyways, so that I just thought that was interesting because that just gave me gave me kind of like and I'm a way to conclude this whole thought is like however you want to think about it, spirit is always trying to express itself through matter. But the way that it works, people are like, well, if, if God was real, why wouldn't he or her stop all this stuff? And it's like, that's not the way it works. Spirit has to express itself through matter, through the material world. That's the point of this three-dimensional world is that it's a physical reality that's, that is coming, that is made possible by, you know, however you want to think about it, different energetic principles, manifestation, whatever. But the actual expression of it is physical. Like, the painting doesn't paint itself, if you want to think of it that way, right? There's an inspirational force. There's a musing that happens. There's an enthusiasm. Right? To enthuse with Theos. There's an enthusiasm that happens, and then there's an instrumentality. Like, this is when I start getting into the sermon. One of my mentors is Michael Bernard Beckwith. We've known each other for many, many years. And so, like, this is when it starts, like, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely closing out here, but this is when it gets a little bit, just goes in a whole kind of sermon mode. But basically, the idea here to connect all of this is that no matter how you want to think about it, um, there is an instrument that needs to kind of be taken over, not taken over, but be influenced by, right? And so it's like, just call that your inspiration. Just call that like your, your feelings, your, your um, yeah, inspirations, like, you know, enthusiasm, your, your interests, like what's calling you, because not everyone here is to do the same work, right? But everyone here is made of the same stuff. And so when, when we can just get that connection that I was talking about, when once we can see it and it's clear and it's non-negotiable, it's like we're not confused by that anymore, everything in our life starts to shift. And if you're trying to work through certain habits, you have certain cravings or bad habits or things that don't align with who you're becoming or you know you can be, yet you feel like you're kind of held back in the past, just know that... You don't actually have to detach from your habits. You just have to transform yourself so your habits detach from you. I'm going to say that one more time. You don't have to actively, forcefully, willpoweringly fix yourself. You don't have to detach from the habits you think you're holding on to because it's not you holding on to them they might have a hold on you. And so what does that mean? Well, you could think like, well, I, I, I kind of feel like a victim. It's like, okay, well then what does that mean? How would I have to free myself? You'd probably have to transform yourself. Right? Because it's, it's like, it's a vibration, it's a frequency, it's, it's a particular um, embodiment. You know, you're a pulsating energy field. That's all it is. You're a pulsating energy field. So if something is able to attach itself to you, and I'm not 
going too far with that. Take that down, whatever you want. Think about it. He's talking about habits that don't feel in alignment with who you are compared to who you want to be. Then the only way through it is actually to transform yourself. What does that mean? Well, you have to become somebody that those cravings don't align with. Like, a lot of people think, like, it's not just biological. Yes, that is a, that is a part of it. Like, food cravings, there is a preponderance of people that are addicted to the foods that they're craving. Or, I mean, they're craving the foods that they're addicted to. That's a reality. So there's that, right? But then the other element is, I'm going to close out on this, is that you start to look at your life, you look at the way it's been, and then you start to get a clear idea of where you want it to go. And you really start living into that. You really start putting yourself into that, whether it's through meditation, it's through chanting, it's through mantra, it's through actually living it. And start adopting the habits and the thought forms and the food behaviors and the, the natural connection that that particular version of yourself naturally does and you show up for it every single day and you stop judging yourself about not being perfect and all this stuff and you replace judgment with compassion and gentleness and self-love and you just love yourself along the way like relentlessly just love yourself love yourself love yourself love yourself anytime you're about to judge yourself love yourself love yourself love yourself no matter how uncomfortable it is you just keep doing that eventually what ends up happening is that you walk across the mirror one day and then you notice that you're unrecognizable to the person you used to be and it happens spontaneously. But, they, but, but it's not randomly. You don't just roll the dice and like, okay, cool, I'm just going to wait for my transformation. All right, God, thank I'll just be over here just playing out these cycles and I'll just, when you're ready. It's like, no, you have to build a momentum. It's like a business, right? You're just going to sit around and wait for, for people to show up? No, it doesn't work that way. You have to activate. You have to get in the game. Right, spirit likes movement. Water likes movement. What's the quote? Running water never goes stale. So keep it flowing. Bruce Lee. Right? Because so you gotta stay in the you gotta get in the game, stay in the game, get back in the game, and just keep going because you never know what's around the corner. You never know what this next green juice is gonna do for you. You never know what the um the superfood smoothie today is going to do for you. Never know if that's the one right there that really just creates that catalytic spark. And you just keep rolling the dice. Every day is a new day. Just roll the dice. And that's the deal. I mean, in a nutshell, that really is the deal. You know, you just keep rolling the dice. Keep showing up for yourself. And then the world will show up for you. Because it's just a mirror anyways. It's not an obvious mirror, and it's not a fun mirror sometimes, but if you have the courage to face the mirror and receive the messages that it's giving you and sit with it long enough, you will become what you were born to be and what you can be, which is like, you have no idea. We have no idea what we can be when we're actually fully congruent in alignment with ourselves. And for me personally, that's the game I want to play. No excuses, no victimhood, vaporizing the victim at every, every end, um, and standing vigilantly for the hero archetype, the hero that emerges out of the victim, because 
In, in archetypical mythology, the only difference between the villain and the heroes is the is the is the the hero and the victim, or the hero and the villain, actually are more closely aligned together than any other than the common the commoners. But the only difference is at some point there was a fork in the road, and one chose to be a victim, the other chose to be a hero. To take responsibility or not to take responsibility. I've studied psychology and archetypes and mythology as deep as most people can go. And I'm just, I just, it's like, that's what's playing out in our world. And that's what's playing out in each of our individual lives. So every day, it's like, what would courage do? What would bravery do? What would, what would that heroic archetype inside me do? Afraid, not afraid, who cares? This is just a game, and we're not getting out alive anyway, so we might as well play it full out. Okay, that's it.